Internet Cartridge Audio. Uh, my, I'm Trevor Strunk, Hagelbot on Twitter, and I'm here with uh, two of the, uh, and I'm going to do the same joke, even though we're re-recording this intro, uh, rising stars of the podcast <laughs> community, if that's if that's a normal thing to say. Um, Emin Jackson of the Great Gundam Project. Uh, welcome to the show. That's us. Yeah, hello. It's us. Known for anime and not video games anymore. True. No, no, no. Happens. It's It's funny. So, like, we were chatting about this just briefly before we started recording, like, it's funny how the um, it's funny how like anime in some ways seems to be an easier sell than a video games podcast, um, or like an easier thing to produce or a more routine thing to produce. I would have never expected that when I started uh, my anime side thing, but truly, like it just the the rhythm and the people who like it seem to be just like more easily there. Uh, I think there's like the dual, uh, I guess for people who don't know, I, I'm M. Jackson's the British one. I'm the British one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I should have said, I should have, I should have <laughs> used your nationalities to identify you. That, yes. That's an easy one. And I missed it. Um, anyway, uh, I think the thing is like anime is, is a bigger audience because you can just stream that stuff. Like it's really easy to get a hold of. Games are high value investment. You got, it takes money to get into games in a way it doesn't with anime. Um, yeah. And also like the audience is really underserved for like good critical content. Um everyone's writing about video games and producing podcasts and making YouTube essays. The the good anime content in terms of like talking about it, very small. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like it is, it is a, it, it's sort of like the way games were say, I don't know, three or four years ago, like when, when it was like, boy, what, what's out there? And then, you know, waypoint and a million podcasts and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so maybe the waypoint of anime is on its way. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think the corporate interest is there in the, in the same way. Yeah. It's fine. We'll just do it on our own. It's worked fine so far. There you go. We have said multiple times uh, that if uh, you know a maximum firm wants to buy a Great Gundam Project, we'll sell out. It's fine. We'll do yeah, it. Absolutely. Hundred we'll, we'll, we'll take the cash. We'll I think start over. We'll start from something. Gundam again. <laughs> yeah. No. We we'll just want Gundam again. It's fine. Who cares? <laughs> if if the price is right. So describe the project for those of uh, the audience who doesn't know, who don't know it, although I'm sure a lot of them do, just because I, I, I love this project because it is, um, it reminds me of um, also a friend of, of um, uh, you both, I think, and the podcast, uh, uh, Dia Lucina, who was on a little while ago. Um, Dia's sort of like uh, um, wildly ambitious uh, um, plan to stream, to do Let's Plays of all the SMT games. Like there's there's a there's a kind of like wild uh, abandon of uh, ambition here that for me anyway always uh, endears me to a project. So uh, explain your project for those of us who don't know it. Um, although this may be fewer and fewer as time goes on. I could I could do this. So uh, we have a network called Abnormal Mapping uh, and a podcast named Abnormal Mapping, which we started out with, which is a video game podcast we do once a month. Um, and has been going since 2013, like October Great. of 2013. Yeah, right, October 2013. Devil May Cry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, DMC Devil May Cry, not yes. Devil May Cry. Yes. Um, and that's a uh, spooky game for October. So that was and, a good call to start off with. Uh, we started off wanting to do video games because uh, we were big fans of Idle Thumbs. Uh, poor one out, never coming back. Um, <laughs> and we, the thing we really we liked is that they just did like really like you know thoughtful dives on like why like the structure of games and what they do well um, in a way that wasn't like new releases. It was just what they were playing. Uh, the thing that we didn't like about Idle Thumbs is that they never they always were like everyone just played their own game and then like talked to each other for twenty minutes about the game they played. And uh, thought that the the solution was just to play the same game and just talk about that game. And we've been okay. doing that in like game club style. And there are other game clubs out there, you know, like watch out for Fireball's been going longer than us, I think. And yes. uh, they they do basically the same thing. Um, and so that was the plan for a long time. Uh, and we just kind of did that on our own on like the very margins of games culture uh, <laughs> for years. And then we decided to get a Patreon uh, because the world is the way it is and money gets tight. Um, and we were like, we I, I, we can't keep affording this if we don't like make some money off of it. And so we started a Patreon and our, our goal was to just create like an easy like thing we could do 30 minutes a week that could get like encourage people to pledge for like one dollar. So we started the Great Gundam nice. Project because uh, we, we hang out like, you know, we, we knew of Austin through Waypoint and Giant Bomb. I think it was Giant Bomb at the time, maybe. But um yeah, we liked Friends of the Table, which is a, you had a mech season going at the time. And I was like, I really want to watch Gundam. And I watched 
uh, original Gundam and Zeta Gundam, and I didn't really like Zeta. And I was like, you know, the only way I'm going to do this is if I make Jackson do it with me. Let's just make watching Gundam <laughs> our Patreon podcast. It's a dollar a month. We'll watch two episodes a week. Uh, it'll be about half an hour. We'll just talk about Gundam as people who don't know what the fuck Gundam is. Um, and now we're three years into that, and it's blown up really big. It's like the thing we're known for now. Um, and like we still do more mapping, and we still do other podcasts, but like it's really Gundam that took off, which is uh, surprising. Also, it's grown to be like, you know, every episode's like an hour long, and we're in Gundam Wing now. So it's been 15 years of Gundam. Uh, wow. Uh, over 15 uh, that we've gone through in this three years, and just keeps going. Um, no, so your but, offer to go back to Gundam, if 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 possible, if selling out is possible, and you will go out back to Gundam, that's no like we'll small start offer. We'll start that's a over. big deal offer. It's another three years, but that's three years of the salary, so I don't care. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's right. That's yeah. easy, easy to do. How <laughs> much Gundam right now? It doesn't make the yeah. We we no, do a much cool. better first season if we knew what we knew now going into Gundam. Oh uh, yeah, it's, it, it's funny though that like the the better first season ends up being like. It's a better first season if the concept of the show is different. Like, it's better if two people who know about Gundam talk about Gundam. Although, I think that's probably not true. I think probably the, the like, the things you didn't know enriched the analysis would be my oh, thought. for sure. And, like, those podcasts will always be there. But the part where, like, we meant this to be, like, our, like, throwaway bonus show for patrons oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah like, sure. it's just not, it, we just don't go as deep. We didn't realize Gundam was going to be the thing that, like, radicalized us as people. Yep. Uh, Gundam made us both communists and that you know like the reality of the situation is we're just different now so the things we talk about would be much more involved and uh we would dig into the show probably a lot deeper than we did in 2017 a, a part of so, this narrative that got left out because it doesn't matter but it is very funny is that we also had another massive very dumb project we were doing before this uh called second officer slug where we were going to read all the star trek books like all the oh, post-show star trek books one a month and like eventually get the present uh we started Gundam into that and then we watched too much Gundam and then we became way too communist to read bad liberal Star Trek books like Star Trek tie-in books every month uh, and uh, we no longer do that so can I ask you guys uh, uh, what what is what is the like what is the the stories of uh, your going communist um, while watching Gundam can I like uh, so uh, um I'll, I'll I'll be the moderator here. We could start with uh, with Jackson's story, and then M can tell their story. And I'm just like, if you're comfortable with it, like I'm just super interested in how, you know, a a an anime. And I I should say for anyone cringing at my inability to know a lot about Gundam, I have not watched a bunch of Gundam. I've watched oh, it's more anime than I have in the past, you know, uh, three or four months than I I did for the most of the, my life. Um, I know a little bit about anime, but. Uh, I do know about Gundam, uh, as my co-host is a huge fan, um, that the the show has like some some fascism problems going on uh, and like is not generally known as like a communist show. So I'm interested in 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 how this sort of radicalized you. Like what 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 was the what was the process there? So, I mean, for me, uh, uh, I won't speak for him, but we were always both uh, leftists. The thing that Gundam did and doing like criticism of Gundam was it like helped me refine my understanding of what that meant into like like something far more rigid and understood uh because it is a show that is like a deliberate metaphor about uh it's basically the first show is a response to uh this book um the high frontier written by someone o'neill um I don't remember his first name. It's a weird first name. It's, it's very unfortunate. <laughs> oh, yeah. But a book about how uh, we are going to go into space and through technology, uh, we can fix all of society's problems. Just exactly what people are writing about the algorithm now uh, in the 70s about space. And uh, sure. Yoshiko Tomino was furious at this guy and was like, no, we're going to go to space. We're going to have all the same problems. And so Gundam is like just a metaphor, like a really intense metaphor uh, for like the ways in which the structures of society oppress us. And mm -hmm. through watching this anime week to week, uh, and if you listen to the show, you'll see this happen to me in real time. You'll watch me like be someone who like, thinks of themselves leftist and is a leftist and uh generally um like defines himself as socialist and stuff uh like 
expose myself to the like uncomfortableness of Gundam and it like breaks my liberal brain like the, you know because we all have that uh <laughs> left over and you can watch me get like really uncomfortable with some of the stuff in Zeta Gundam go oh, this is too depressing I don't you know don't, don't really like this stuff and don't believe maybe we could fix problems humans can fix problems and then um <laughs> it all comes together uh in uh double Zeta Gundam to me which is um like the the first show Gundam is pretty uh, standard. It's about this stuff, but it is a uh, pretty standard mech show. Zeta Gundam's a huge mess about the ways in which like the s- cycles of fascism uh, infiltrate the uh, like liberal societies and uh, the the way like democracy is a fake idea in America. Um, just like it's about mm, all that mm. stuff, and it is very depressing. And then Double Zeta is less depressing but more bleak and synthesizes it into like a really good show about the need to just fucking punch the cops and um okay that's that's that was the arc of gunner to me you know like in while doing this to better cover the things gunner was talking about like we started reading more theory and uh now we're communists <laughs> <laughs> little did you know that the patreon show would also involve reading more theory um nice yeah, I'll let M do uh, their answer now for that. Yeah, day. yeah. And, and what's yours, M? Is it similar to Jackson's or is it a so little So it's mostly similar. Only, the only difference is, like, I uh, Jackson, I feel like, has always been, like, very left-leaning. Uh, I feel like it was easier in the UK than, like, I'm in I'm in Nebraska. I grew up in Nebraska. And being, like... Nebraska's a, Demo- a tough place to be a leftist. Being a Democrat in Nebraska was already, like, oh, you're, you're, you're out there. So, like, I was, like, very confident in my identity as, like, you know, I'm, I'm a liberal. I believe in... Uh, you know, democratic principles. And that is, that is enough to define things. And then I got online and the, the, the spectrum changed and the culture changed as everyone galvanized one way or another. Um, but also my exposure to stuff was mostly through Twitter. And like, I was like, Oh, I'm not a leftist. Cause my idea of leftism was like dirtbag left posters. And I, okay. it's just not appealing. Right. Like you look at that and you're like, I, that's not anything I believe in. All those people are really shitty. Um, and so watching Gundam, uh, I, we got to the point in Double Zeta Gundam, which is a, a show about like, like the situation become really untenable. The war, the wars continue to stretch on into like police actions against like more and more marginal groups that like the Earth Federation is just crushing slowly. Um, and the heroes are working for the Earth Federation or for a faction of the Earth Federation that used to in Zeta, they broke away and they're like, oh, we need to get the fascism out of the Earth Federation because it's ruining everything. And then they beat all the fascists and then signed back up to the Earth Federation as the new fascist wing of the earth federation um <laughs> yeah it's basically it's like if some police officers were like made an independent organization that is like an anti-ice task force beat ice and then we're like well someone's got to deport people <laughs> uh, that's is the, i mean that just yeah. sounds that sounds very likely yeah actually <laughs> so you can see how like pretty immediately we like line, line up to gundam was like oh this is a metaphor about the world so so there's, there's this one arc in double zeta gundam where the the, the boss, like the, the King Cop, Bright Noah, one of the major characters King in Gundam, tell, yep. tells all the kids uh, to go through the desert, uh, like go through Africa, the African desert in their Gundams and meet us. We're going to rendezvous in uh, in Europe and please go through and meet us. And they, they do this. And on their own, they just get to see what the world is like. And the world is like African liberation fronts that are fighting like European colonizers and look at to like like point to the idea of like this has happened in space like Xeon fighting against the Federation was not dissimilar to what we are doing trying to expunge Europeans from our cities and seeing those like uh, analogs drawn so directly I was like I I need to know more about stuff to be able to answer this and there was this bit where I kept calling what was happening uh, like uh, colonization and uh, one of the members of our community uh, who good friend was like what you mean is imperialism you need to read a book about imperialism so you stop saying colonization when you don't mean that um and so i read uh lenin's imperialism the highest stage of capitalism and i looked at it i'm like oh this is just describing the world we live in the numbers are way smaller but the the fact of the matter is this is just what's happening it's still Mm -hmm. happening it hasn't stopped uh and so when that happened it was uh i just was like oh well more of this then and uh the road of theory (laughs) leading to just being like you know a marxist leninist uh, happened it's not like i wouldn't say that i'm like super up on theory it's only been like two years and we do a lot of podcasts it's hard to sit down and read a bunch of theory i would describe myself as like a you know new uh new communist in terms of like 
learning ideas. So I, I'm not over. I'm not speaking from a place of like great expertise. Uh, it's just hard to look at the world and not see uh, like you know, the dissolution of the capitalist state is like a good thing. And mm -hmm, that came yeah. out of the anime that points to the capitalist state that existed in the past uh, with historical analogs and be like, look, this is still happening. And I'm like, no, this is still happening. It's just gotten worse since then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like what's, what's, what's cool about the way you're, you're uh, talking uh, about like theory and, and, and media and stuff like that here is, you know, I think one of the, and certainly I'm guilty of this. One of the best ways or one of the most best is wrong to say most uh, common ways people get to uh, reading theory or, or, or thinking about uh, theory is by way of, you know, just like, learning about it at school right like i think i think a lot of people end up reading marks because they're assigned marks so they end up thinking about class because they're assigned something about class like that that happens to a lot of people it doesn't happen to enough people but you know um but i think like there's something much more organic about saying like huh, i don't get this like there's a distinction here i don't understand is there a book i can read about it right like like the the, the thing you say about you know why well both of you like like um em's point about the the uh, listeners saying like there's a difference between colonialism and uh, imperialism please like read this book and see what it is um, that's like a super interesting way to come across that instead of a teacher saying like okay we're describing what imperialism and colonialism are now um, and similar to, to Jackson's point that like there are just all these contradictions that like instead of having to write a paper about like what are these contradictions and why are they important you're just like I gotta like I gotta work out these contradictions like it's 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 a it's a deeply organic way of approaching politics that I, I really admire. Uh, the best thing doing Gundam, and this has been true of like all of our work. And it's a thing I, I really believe in is the best thing. The best way to approach stuff is to just like take it in honestly. And if you mess up, admit that you didn't know what you were talking about and try to do better next time. It's not being uninformed about something and open to the experience of learning is like not difficult as long as you don't let your like ego get in the way. We don't claim to be experts. The whole point of our Gundam podcast is that we are learning as we go. Uh, and so that just ended up spilling out into everything else also. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. It's like, so let me ask this and, and I'll ask, um, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to start being the moderator. Cause I think, <laughs> I think maybe that is what's, what's demanded of me. I'm bad at that. Uh, so that's why I'm saying it out loud. So I actually do it. Um, Jackson, is this something that you, uh, like you've seen impact your video game podcasting as well? Like, is this something like, so M's point about this, uh, not just being like, okay, let's learn more about Gundam, but in fact, like we learned about Gundam, let's learn more about the world, which is, um, I'd say, kind of one of the more compelling side stories of uh, a podcast I've heard about. Um, has this impacted the other stuff in, in, um, like in your video game podcasting, in, in anything else you're doing in Abnormal Mapping? Like, is, is this, have you found your interests being led this way that have impacted your other media critique? Uh, yeah. Um, so, like, not in necessarily the ways you'd expect. Like we, st no mapping is still basically the same podcast it always was. I think that we're like better at it now, and uh, um, we don't like go out of our way to be like, oh, we're gonna find a topical game because you know Gundam being so popular and a Patreon show means that we just do the video games we want to do and don't think about it too much, mm. uh, which is nice and chill. Um, the other thing, uh, just to butt in a little bit, the one thing that uh, all of our podcasts have always been based on is the idea that like old media has value. Uh, we're, I don't like, we're not a retro show. Like we're not going out like retronauts and like talking about old games specifically because they're old. Like we try to find stuff that is interesting, but uh, with the idea that like chasing the bleeding edge of like new releases is, is a, a trap. It gets you in your head about like, how is this like character based shooter different than the other character based shooter that released three months ago? That's the only conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, even before like the ideology hit us, yes, uh, yes, the the the, the <laughs> situation like the belief was that you know if you look at older games and you you allow like adjustments for time and what people were interested in, you can learn more about the medium as a whole through looking at old stuff. And mm. when that's attached to like actual theory, uh, it turns into a much more different thing. So I'll let Jackson continue. Ooh, I was just going to say specifically for me, the main difference it has done uh, is not like to the work or how we approach it. I've just become kind of a different kind of critic. I was very focused on like um, analyzing narrative and character 
just from like an internal perspective the first series of uh, ggp is me like scrambling for interiority of the characters when they <laughs> when they're all like rep like parts of a metaphor um and i had since then have like very uh quickly changed into a fully structuralist critic um and okay. how i approach uh most of the uh media we talk about and the games we play in uh i don't think it's changed like the like game the formalist games criticism when it's like we're tend to talk about whether the jump is good uh that's basically still the same but when i approach narr- uh, like stories i'm much more um gonna be talking about the structures at play uh in a way mm. that i was just a bit you know uh not as interested in uh, uh back in the day um, but th- that's really the like main interesting that's changed. I think I think a mill mapping has been surprisingly consistent for the seven years we've been doing it, considering how much we've both changed. Nice. The thing, uh, the thing I uh, was thinking Jax was going to say and did not uh, is <laughs> when we started, it was like we're going to play old games because we think older games are more interesting uh, because often what comes out is like very samey, uh, and that's true. But what has happened is we realized that the things are more samey now because the material conditions of game development are uh, untenable yes. and terrible, and mm-hmm. like getting the perspective to understand why video games are like an evil institution, <laughs> like just across the board, is like products that are made and human lives that are sacrificed to give you software that keeps you uh, happy in your off hours while you're working is uh, has like informed that choice even more. Like I feel better about that work because the product cycle exists to make you forget that, you know, different games are possible and different modes of producing games are possible. Right. Um, and that's only gotten worse in the seven years we've been doing this podcast. Uh, extremely. Because uh, I remember when we started this podcast, we were like, oh, games are in a pretty healthy place. <laughs> and, which is hilarious looking wow. back at it. Um, I guess like one of the – and we'll, we'll, we'll get into, into specifically games-related questions in a second. Um, although much like you two, um, I'm, I'm more and more uh, – or I guess less and less uh, – married to, to my uh, – to like the format as such. Like I think games – talking about games ends up being talking about anything. But like uh, – what like has has there been has there been like a way that the the deep skepticism about futurity has has helped your understanding of games as well because i i feel like this is something that you know obviously in sort of like weird technocratic uh utopianism certainly it comes up um but also in terms of like just games like i I feel like every month there's someone saying like this is going to change things so that games are now democratized or this is going to change things so that like you know, we can finally understand games as an artistic medium or something, right? Like games care so much about the next thing around the bend, whereas, you know, Gundam seems to just say like, well, the next thing around the bend is just going to be another thing that repeats the same thing again. So has that like, has that helped you? Has that crystallized anything for you in games? Do you feel like it is, it is like not quite there in games? Like how does that insight impact you? Uh, the thing, the interesting thing about Gundam before we address the games issue is that we're now at the point in Gundam where Gundam has become self-reflective. Uh-huh. Uh, most of what we've watched up to this point has been by one person. Like Yoshiki Tomino made Gundam and he continued to make Gundam for 10 years, uh, more than that even. And that work always built forward into like, let's express these ideas in a different format. Now right. we're in Gundam Wing, which is a show that's like new directors looking at the series and like, what can we say that is different about things have changed since nineteen seventy. What can we represent and how can we reflect that stuff back on the franchise in a new configuration? And that's what's really interesting. But I know we're going into a franchise that like the last four years of Gundam have been a show about kids playing with models that turn into real Gundams and fight each other. Like the reality is like the the, the corporate <laughs> franchise happens to everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, we're going to yeah. get there eventually. Wait, when we talk about the production of video games being a hell, uh, we, we're not like saying, and that's why we love anime produced so well. Anime has been killing people for decades, way longer than games has. Uh, and it's, it's, it would be irresponsible not to like acknowledge that fact. Like that is a, that is an industry that is about churning through human bodies through overwork at a rapid rate. Um, yes. Uh, and that seeing that happen in games at the same time uh, just uh, does make that like, you know, it's impossible to cover media that is like mass market without addressing like labor conditions are just bad all over and have been forever uh, yeah. because you are you are working on stuff that you don't own that is going to be produced and sold with merchandising and tie ins and building up a, a narrative of like the, the franchise, the thing that matters. Yeah, I guess like um 
I don't even know if we, we got through all that question, but like, I, I feel like <laughs> no, this I is a good place. I think we did it's okay. Time. I'm going to pivot anyway. <laughs> but, um, uh, well, I mean, come back to it if, if I'm, if I'm cutting you off, but like uh, one thing that brings up for me, and it's something that I struggle with a lot on this podcast is, you know, wh- when do you, like, how does, how do you both deal with this, um, the sort of like, um, I'm trying to think of like what, what I mean here, like the, the, um, kind of like the bisected or, or, or divided attention you have to give to these things where, um, on one hand you're con- considering them as objects of art or objects of media and like analyzing them from either, you know, as you say, as, as Jackson said, like a structural or a plot, a narrative or whatever based uh, perspective, but also from a labor perspective, right? Like talking about like Gundam and then pivoting to, oh, and Gundam was created in a way that like absolutely destroyed its, 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 uh, its creators or like, you know, it's like talking about um, uh, like Yu Yu Hakusho and saying like, and yeah, like they they and they tried to tank the the show because that was uh, killing the person who was making it, but it's still a brilliant anime. Like, it's tough to sort of make that leap of it's killing people, but it's brilliant. Like, how do you how do you balance that on your shows, um, or how do you feel you balance that on your shows to sort of be able to talk about the product and then also the material conditions behind the product? Because of course they're dialectic, but uh, uh they, you know connecting things dialectically is easier said than done uh i i guess i feel like our um a, a best way to approach this is like acknowledging that it's not like a contradiction I, at least my mm-hmm. way of um, approaching both these things is that i never want any like reading of any texts or it's like uh, the conditions of a work right to become the polygon sidebar <laughs> you don't sure. you don't want like the note of like also this killed uh, this killed people who made it or like you know also this has the problematic content or whatever it all like feeds into your understanding of the thing in front of you um, yeah like you know knowing the uh metal Gear solid is a like game about the ways in which uh soldiers who are barely like uh, uh like you know very obviously a metaphor for kojima making video games and it's like oh the ways that we're oppressed and our like ideas are stolen from us and then isn't sad when i became a boss and then exploited people and i'm like you're a boss exploiting people you can't make a game about why that's sad <laughs> someone has to ask kojima what he thinks about unions and then the whole thing falls down like it, the the things in the real world play into the the, the understanding of the text and it like mm. might make you sad right it means you don't get to feel as good about enjoying the product uh as maybe you could when you're like yeah you know i'm on game facts and i'm 13 go ps2 um but it definitely like uh uh, helps me understand like where everything is and uh, how i relate to all of these um things that i enjoy because like you know i'm playing kingdom hearts all the time these days and that is a game made by uh, uh, a company like two of the most evil companies like square enix is evil in a hilarious way because they seemingly don't make sense even by the standards of like most companies but i'm sure they overwork their employees you know um Mm -hmm. i I know they famously have done back in the past i don't know like I know there hasn't been like a story about their current working conditions, but that's probably mostly because of, you know, uh, it gets out less about Japanese companies. Sure. It's not great there. Also Disney owns everything and is another really evil company. Um, And this is just a thing that like, you know, it's not worth putting that in a box and going, but also it's amazing. You know, it it comes out with how, uh, how I think about the text in front of you. Right. Right. Uh, I also think ultimately like, media criticism is not about the aggrandizement of works Mm -hmm. it is about giving Mm -hmm. people tools and perspectives to consider the world um watching gundam has made me or like talking about video games for 10 years or seven years or like i I used to like do like movie crit like way back in the blog days um like writing about movies or anything you do like that is not about the work like applying to a like Often criticism can be seen as like these works all talk about this body of work and that makes the body of work more interesting because you get the criticism on top of it. Um, And I just don't I think that's a bad way to approach media. Criticism is about like reaching out to people and taking them along in your worldview to allow people to grow their own worldviews, even if they don't necessarily agree, sometimes especially when they don't agree. Like it is about like a a mass education and like perspective shift for people. Um, 
And so when you talk about when I talk about like a game I like or an anime I like or ones that I even don't like, it's not about like attaching that to the work in like a holistic way where like, you know, at the bottom of a, a page on like God of War, there's a bunch of articles so- cited and a couple of them are ours about how much that game fucking sucks. Um, right. Instead, it's about like, I want people who read my work to understand that like, we have a, a sense of the means of producing work is bad. Often in, a, in the ideal world, a lot of the work that we like probably wouldn't even get produced because the labor conditions of it are too untenable for people. And that's okay. It's okay to look at a work and find meaning in it and also say this should not exist. I think that's all of video games at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- yeah. Yeah. I guess like that's, that's a good way of putting it. I, I think like the, the, difficulty for me and like the way that it it ends up being a a question or, or sometimes a question of like a uh holding two things in my hand at the same time and and how that can be difficult is is coming at it initially as a literary critic and realizing like okay like the conditions of of production of literature are bad in the sense that um you have a lot of people uh living in a a society that you know privileges inequality and um, racism and, and, and exploitation. But you know, the authors themselves, like they, they may be poor writing the book, but it's not like, you know, they're not under a system of, of production in the same way that something like, I don't know, it's uh, red dead redemption two is right. Like yeah. the, 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 or, or, uh, you know, um, uh, Gundam is or, or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's tough. Like, it's tough to be like, yeah, like, uh, this book, should not exist. It's like, oh, you can't really say that. Like, it's like the society under which it was produced might not be so great. Um, and you might want that not to exist. But the book itself, like, you know, that labor is is sort of disconnected in some ways. Like, I guess that's the way of saying it. Like, the, the author uh, of a piece of literature is not always, although sometimes... Um, disconnected or alienated from their um, means of production. Whereas, yeah, video game... Uh, people working in the the video game mines or the anime mines are uh, alienated from their uh, means of production, and so like I, I guess that that is a different thing, and uh, and probably yeah, that's something I have to think about. That's that's uh, that's really really uh, helpful actually. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a little bit about these uh, these terrible objects, uh, video games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Does your interest or newfound interest or or further reified interest in uh, mecha and robots and the 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 giant things uh, that that either are awesome or uh, terrifying allegories or both um, has that actually uh, come into uh, your gaming at all? Do you do you like mech games? Uh, I guess I'll answer it for uh, first. Uh, no, the answer is no. The is no. Okay. We barely like okay. anime. Like the problem is, we came in to like the best show. Like we watched Gundam, and we've also watched a show called Vodums, mm-hmm. uh, and they are like unassailably good as examples right. okay. of the genre. And we've started watching, and Emma's watched more than me. Like some of the inspirations and some of the like uh, follows on from that, and the genre just becomes a very like uh you know they're inspired by themselves not like by books so right uh, sure uh, just becomes a very um uh you know uh, it, it gets the comic book problem guess, where like yes. pe- mm. people pe- the people making most mech shows after 1985 are not making shows that are inspired by the world they are inspired by watching gundam when they were younger okay. um and it radically changes the perspective it's it, this is a similar problem in games also like you look at games and outside of like aliens and robocop the movie the things people are inspired by are other video games they played <laughs> Right. Um, right. And and it just ends up, I think, like limiting the scope of what a medium can be. But more specifically, the things I like about mech anime are interactions between characters that have distinct and conflicting points of view, struggling in a metaphor that represents the real world. Video games are terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very like, true. The, the the two mech games that we covered from normal mapping, we covered Titanfall 2, which is a pretty fun game, but like has nothing to do with mech anime, like the things I like about mech anime. There's a big oh, robot sure. in it, but like it's a platformer a shooter most of the time. Uh, and it's good at those things, but it, it doesn't really relate outside of like some aesthetics. And then we played Zone of the Enders 2, which is like a great representation of the cool shit in mech anime. Um, incredible boss battles, incredible level design, really cool set pieces, just great. Um but the story is terrible. It's it awful. doesn't it doesn't even begin to approach like even like the C tier mech shows in terms of like what it's about. Um 
And that's fine because the demands of games are just different on that level. But it does mean that like the best mech game is like a, a long running strategy series. And I don't like strategy games. And most of those, that series, like Super Robot Wars is what I'm talking about. Like most of that is about recounting the stories of anime through like, you know, characters talking to each other on a grid battlefield <laughs> before they do their super attacks. Yeah. Um, and that, that's yeah, fine if, if you're like a fan of the thing, but like it's not serving a purpose of like we are going to replicate what these pieces of art are about. We are replicating the pieces of art for fans who want to consume a thing that reminds them of the thing they like. No, that's fair. Yeah, that that was like that was the game I was thinking of, honestly, when I asked you this question. And that's a that's a good reasoning as to why it doesn't click for you. Yeah, but also like. I played Gundam Breaker 3. That's a cool game about getting robot parts and building a Gundam and going and fighting like 100 guys in like a pretty like, you know, button mashy brawl or whatever. And sometimes it's nice to just engage with those things. But I wouldn't call myself like a fan of mech in that way. Like what Gundam actually did was put too many mo plastic models on my shelf because it's <laughs> nice to sit down and build a plastic model. It's true. <laughs> Uh, the other thing it did, like in how it relates to games, I guess, is less to do with like mech specifically and more uh, realizing the. Uh in addition to a lot of the like anime I've seen also just being like ripping off other anime and the, my reads on it being limited by the lack of exposure to some of the like older shows uh, has made me do the same thing for like the JRPGs I've played. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. you know, uh, I played Final Fantasy VII for the first time in 2014. It was one of the first JRPGs I played. I think it's incredible. I, and I still think it's incredible. But in playing it this year, I'm like, oh, you just did like uh, Shards Counterattack combined with some stuff uh, from Eva. And uh, you just shipped it, huh? Um, and like, I, I think that game's uh, great, but it definitely like puts into context how um, you know there are a lot of games that are from Japan that people uh, people's reads on in the West are colored by the fact that there's like you know not as much access to the stories that are being pulled from. Mm -hmm, and so sure. uh, I don't think that like watching Gundam has done like a huge amount. That's still just one like mech anime still is one genre and another subgenre of things in like a culture I'm not part of and wouldn't like claim that makes me an authority. Uh, pe weebs do that. Weebs like to watch a bunch of anime and claim they're an authority. They should stop that. It's embarrassing. Um, but it, it does like make me go like, oh yeah, Metal Gear isn't like special in the way I thought it was when I played it when this was just when I was comparing it to Call of Duty. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and so you realize that uh, the people who are held up as geniuses in any medium uh, are like, often just uh victors of people not hearing about what they're ripping off <laughs> okay no i mean i uh, couldn't couldn't argue with that i think like i think the you know this is another thing that it comes up in more let's say like traditional uh objects of media study uh art music uh, or visual art music stuff like that um literature where you uh, you kind of learn about and internalize and understand the, the, the deep complexities and, uh, and, um, caveats that come from inspiration and, and canonicity and like, you know, pulling from something and tribute or, uh, aping or plagiarism or whatever. Right. And I think like, you're right in saying that video games and anime essentially are held up as like objects created in a vacuum. Like, wow, look what this person did with no influence from anyone else. Um, which, yeah, I would agree. Huge mistake. Uh, and this like applies really formally to video games also where like let's use Titanfall 2 as an example I feel like a lot of people have played Titanfall 2 the thing yeah. everyone talks about in that is the level where you're switching through your through do through time as you go through a, a stage and like different platforms in different places as you hit the time travel button and go into like a portal into this facility like a year ago or whatever it was I don't remember the time frame but um the way in which that mechanically presents is not dissimilar to a bunch of other games. Like the one I pull from is uh, Prince of Persia, the Forgotten Sands, which is a tie in spinoff of the Prince of Persia Sands of Time trilogy, but based on the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. So nobody played it because it came out way later and nobody cares. <laughs> but even that is probably a pull from other games like Metroid Prime 2, which is also probably another pull from games that I've never even played or heard of. Um, but because games have no institutional memory, because there there is a big cultural pressure to focus only on what is coming out this year and ahead. And mm -hmm. also everyone in this in this medium, if they're a critic, burns out in three years because there's no money and there's no jobs and there's no prospects. Nobody other than like the true old heads who aren't playing the new games anyway has the memory to point to these things and be like, these are the lines people are pulling from to design games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like we are... Uh 
like several generations of the like, games Twitter people removed from the present now. Like we've seen entire like waves of people come and burn out. We are basically pretty established and old by game standards we are from the we are of the wave of people who came through uh by getting mad about bioshock infinite which is i feel like a big marker uh of it's a, a big, lot of, it's a big group yeah, yeah it's a big group that was like a big time of like uh, a, a flashpoint for a bunch of people going what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> at, like at video games is this awful racist game where you stand still and shoot a ghost for 20 minutes is released and people call it a masterpiece um and so we came through in that way wave uh and now it is 2020 and we've like seen entire careers like start, get big, burn out and already be forgotten. And uh, this just happens because of the, you know, the nature of games criticism, which is there's no money in it at all. Mm-hmm. The few <laughs> ways that it is financially supported are like all dependent on basically being subservient to PR um, in ways that like I'm not like calling people out for doing this is, you know, people got to get paid. But it does mean that... um the like material ability for uh people to have sustainable long critical careers about what happens in video games is uh very difficult and the people who do manage it uh are usually have like success somewhere else or just get very lucky right yeah right uh you uh one of our friends, uh, Heather Alexander, was at Kotaku for a couple of years. She recently mm-hmm. left. But every time that she would get to write an article about Skies of Arcadia, which is a game she loves, I know that that's an art- the article she probably had to fight for because nobody gives a shit because it's not a new release. It's not a game that's like available on a download service. You can't go and play it. Uh, to have a job means to forego the things you are passionate about for what is ahead of you in your press release cycle and the games that are on your desk to review. Right. And that's just the that's just the situation. Um, And it's terrible for people who have aspirations like you always want the cool critics that you really like and invest in to get careers. But, you know, once they get that job that they can't do the thing that you like anymore. Like they can do it sometimes, but it's always going to be on the back burner because the job sure. just doesn't ask, doesn't su- supply that. You can't do it. Well, because, yeah, if, if the job did supply it, then they wouldn't have to get the job. Right. Yeah. Like, that would that would be the case. Like if, if we lived in a world where the critics could just like write about what they wanted to write about, then you wouldn't need to have a, a space, you know, that is mediated by PR, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, where does that uh, if, if this isn't too personal a question, where does that leave uh, you two? Like, is this obviously like, you know, uh, joking slash not joking at all um from any of us about uh the 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 how joyful it would be to sell out um it, uh, like how do you do, how do you see your work at this point um if it's disconnected from um and and this is not a challenge because i you know do the same thing i see my work as mostly disconnected from any sort of like profit motive at, like, you know because i'm not uh, completely delusional um but how does that how does that affect your work? Like how do you how do you see your work if it's not um, on the basis of profit? Like what what is what is the uh, what is the the motive for continuing it? Um, well, so like we did a mapping basically in obscurity for five years, and okay. that was that was fine. Uh, and we just did it because we liked it. Um, and it you know as as the w- demands of like hosting grew and like oh we need a website now and stuff like that. It, you know it's like oh we got to make money on this because it's, it's expensive. You know life situations change, and you're like I don't know if I can spend you know thirty hours a month on uh, on talking about video games anymore and the, the the stupid answer that we came to was well let's spend 30 hours a week doing a podcast network and hope it works out um and, it, and it, we were really lucky like gundam hit at the right time people are interested in gundam uh because uh, uh you know famous like we have we have friends who are relatively well-known like austin walker talked about gundam a lot we started this because austin talked about gundam a lot of people listen to austin want to know what gundam's about yeah uh, we found a fan base uh he's been very nice about championing our podcast we got a lot of people on board that's great and like we're not making a living doing our podcast but no. it's like a nice second job yes <laughs> yeah yes um and it's it's strange to do it that way because uh it, it, it uh, obliges you to the work but also i hate charging people money for my work (laughs) i would i would really like to live in a world where i just had enough to live on and could just give people the podcast like i don't like the idea of tying like i'm going to do the criticism every week to do to get the monetary award to continue to be able to pay for rent and food people should just have rent and food like a house to live in and food to eat Mm -hmm. um 
Right. Yeah. And sure. and tying that to money is like it's often really terrible. It gives you horrible like anxiety and uh, weird guilt about being successful when you see people who do work is like better than you can do not make it. Uh, it's all luck. Anyone who's ever been successful has gotten lucky. That's just the truth. Time. Everyone's working yes. hard as hell. Um, and uh, it's difficult to do it that way. But like when I look at games like. I like being on the margins of games. I never wanted to be a staff writer because I don't like that work. I don't like most modern games that come out. And that's been true for 10 years. It's it's truer now than it's ever been, but it wasn't untrue back when we started up normal mapping. We mm -hmm. just wanted to play the stuff that we were interested in. It happened to mostly be older stuff. Um, and it means that like I'm kind of clued out on games stuff, really. Like I listen to a couple games podcasts, and like I I when my friends are writing criticism about a new release, I'll read it and I'll enjoy that. But like yeah. New consoles are coming out. We're not going to get them. <laughs> uh, we're, there's not. I, I bought a PS4 because uh, I was felt a little. I was like, oh, I'm going to get. I'm going to get PS4 at launch, and I'm going to. I'm going to just like get it. You know, we're doing this game stuff. I have an obligation. I I don't think I could name three games. I more than three games I loved on the PS4 I, in uh -huh, the six uh -huh. years it's been out. One of them is a Hatsune Miku arcade port. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> um. And so I, I sit and I look at like the monetary cost and like the energy cost to chase things that I don't feel passionate about. And the reality is like outside of what I cover for game, like for abnormal mapping, I don't play a lot of games anymore. I'm just mm. and part of that is like I'm, I'm older, like I'm in my mid 30s. I've been playing games my entire life. I'm just not interested in a lot of what's coming out and the old stuff that like we're not covering uh usually i'm like yeah okay this is nice it's like six other th games i played and it, <laughs> it's a bad way to be like i understand why people burn out because games just aren't like actually that varied mm -hmm. um especially when you're someone who like i want art that speaks to me um and video games are like very interesting like on a, on a, a like especially like smaller games like if you go to itch or whatever on an aesthetic sense, games are like wild. You get all sorts of cool art styles and inspirations and things that are pulling from. But if you like want to invest in like stories and viewpoints of the world, games is not a great medium for that artistically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's fair. It's certainly a it's certainly a medium that has uh, you have to look a lot harder um, and bring a lot of yourself to it and and do like instructional reading, et cetera, et cetera. It's not as if mm -hmm. like. You know, you could you could probably if if as you say, if you are interested in getting many viewpoints of the world, you could certainly do better by just like, you know, checking out a lot of the best films of the last hundred years or whatever, right? Yes. Like, um, yeah, 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 for sure. I can I hear that. Um, but that's not that doesn't say like. I don't like see any hope in video games. Like there's plenty of games that we're playing and we like, and we like going back to like, even like games that have been overcovered classics. Like we're going to do it. We're going to do an episode on Metroid prime okay. next month. And I'm really excited for that because Metroid prime is a great game. It has a lot to say, like a lot about Metroid, like what it is to make a Metroid. Uh, it has a lot of cool tone. Uh, music and art is incredible. And I'm excited to go back and play it. The jump's good. Like the thing, the thing being a games critic for seven years has taught me is what I really want is not a game that says anything super deep about the human condition because most of that is like hbo cast off bullshit anyway i just want a game where the jump feels really good yeah because okay. nothing else is going to give me that <laughs> that's that is when people talk about this is what an interactive medium can do uh usually they're on some high fluid and bullshit about how you know nothing is better than the automata and it's like i've watched episodes of star trek that's not true um and uh like what Name me anything else that can give me a fucking jump like uh, like in Mario 64. It cannot. <laughs> uh, I was like, I rest my case. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so uh, one of the things that I, I think is cool about Gundam and like one of the things I definitely know about Gundam and, and its uh, later influence on everything uh, is, is circusing, right? Um, the, 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 the massive, the word for the massive, for, for the audience, the words for the massive, like, uh, uh, effect when there is like a million bullets going in a million places. Right. And like, uh, and they're just like dodging and there are lasers and they're tracing and everything. So oh, the, the, thing, the, thing was, the thing that's really funny about this is uh, you think it's a Gundam thing. And this isn't like, again, I'm not dragging you or anything. I think, this, think this is me. interesting no, in fine. the culture because uh, this is uh, called Natana Circus based on the oh, animator yeah, Atano who drew this. Uh, Macross. Right. Yeah, it's a yes. Macross yeah, thing. Yeah, sorry, but I, I think mistake. it's really funny because Macross, for Western audience, Macross is hard to get a hold of. You have to torrent it outside of the first Macross. You can get that on Amazon Prime in a really terrible quality um, because there's a weird licensing issue because Macross was subsumed into Robotech in the 80s. Yeah, right. Um, and the company that owns that Harmony Gold has refused to let go of the 
license. Uh, there was a thing last year where Harmony Gold was like, we're committed to Robotech for the next like 10 years and everyone boos loudly. Uh, because because Americans want Macross. It's a good sh- series and they can't get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's funny. That's and, funny that I even said, because I knew that Circusing came from Macross and in my mind I was like, well, it was Gundam, yeah. Like, it's just that, that, that's, that, that nonsense of, uh, of like just like forgetting forgetting the word for something and then realizing like oh you've just like you've just um you've just subsumed like 12 years of extremely hard work by like a a slip of the tongue it's just like a weird thing yeah but also it reveals how much like our discourse is driven by corporate owned ip right like Mm -hmm. everything is based on what company can sell you the ideas best yes and because because Macross doesn't exist in America uh, and Robotech is a thing that like, you know, some Mecha Grognards care about, but otherwise is relatively like low key. And Gundam is the thing. When you think Mecha, you think either Ava or Gundam. That's it. Right. Those are the two things. Right. Um, that becomes that becomes the attachment point. And games have this problem all the time. Right. Like, you know, we're recording this uh, <laughs> right before Ubisoft is going to reveal six games that are basically the same game. And no one wants to watch them anyway because the embarrassing fucking couple weeks they've had showing their ass about how uh, their shop is run by a bunch of predators uh it's a bad scene and uh, the way in which like the the corporate name creates the narrative is just true in basically all media like that's just across the board yes we just have to yeah yeah. that's how things are these days it sucks But you were asking about you were asking about I was, the Tano I, Circus. I don't remember. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like, so, so, so the the visuals we get in Macross, the visuals we get in Gundam, the visuals I, I think a lot of people would would uh, connect to something like uh, say um, the the Super Robot Wars, uh, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> band of shows, right? Um, like uh, the that that feeling of watching that happen right is like so satisfying like watching a good uh a good circus is like really fun um it's it's it is it is enjoyable it has like sort of an elemental uh i don't know uh appeal to it even if you don't care about mech shows right and like in a way the mech show is for, for animation like the the jump jump is good uh, jump feels good of uh of video games right like it's it there's a there's a sense of like at core, if it's nice to look at, it could be an enjoyable show. Or maybe I'm wrong, but that's sort of how I've always understood it. Uh, my experience with Gundam has been, I mean, this is, it's complicated, right? Because, like, these are, these are, Gundam is often 50 episode television shows mm-hmm. that are made, uh, you know, at the demands of a company and sponsors. And that means you get cool robots, but it means you get, like, really cool robots, like maybe one scene every 10 episodes, <laughs> um, which <laughs> okay. is the thing that, like, people hold on to. But the reality is, most of Gundam is characters talking at each other for 20 minutes. The robot comes out and fights, but it's not impressive most of the time. It's usually mm-hmm. just, oh, this is a, you know, this is the fight that we have every week because the Gundam must come out and fight. And that's like a mandate. Yeah. Uh, they messed up. They messed up. The beginning of one of our favorite Gundam's Gundam victory is totally messed up because the sponsor, the, the show started and the Gundam didn't show up till episode five. And they made them re-edit the first five episodes to show the Gundam in episode <laughs> one, just destroying the flow of those first five episodes. That's great. Um, and uh, like that is the, it's like, it's like asking if someone made a game, like if, if, if Naughty Dog made a game and the idea was we can't have violence in it for the first 10 hours, they're not going to make that game. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, of course. It would it would never get made. The, like, we, everyone joked at the time, but the part where you have to use the stealth mechanics to kiss your wife in Shadow of Mordor, <laughs> like, that is inherent to we have to show the mechanics off in the game. You have to tell the people what they're going to be doing. And they're like, we wrote a story about hanging out with your wife. Well, like, well, you're going to have to stealth kiss her then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah yeah no i mean that's yeah it's it's like i guess i guess another way of saying it would be to say like mechanics uh suffuse the the whole thing whether you like it or not like it's it is Mm -hmm. like in in something that is giving you a language to use right or like a visual language be it a visual or a a controller language um it's going to be there from the beginning because like otherwise you're not going to know how to do the parts of the game that they want you to do and that Mm -hmm. they want you to talk about later on or show for that matter yeah yeah, and this but, is something that like, uh, oh, 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 go ahead. Okay. I just mean that like, when you get to the big famous like, this, here's the thing that someone's done in the game that's like really pissed off the fan base. It is very rarely like a mechanical thing, and mm-hmm. often when people talk about the ways mechanics have changed, they're just under like this flat um, quality of life changes uh, 
like name of like oh yeah, it's good that we just you know that now we can save whenever and uh, mm-hmm. even if it changes yeah. the whole uh temporal experience um like that gets separate right like the you know the mgs2 being the big example of it i love that game and uh i get i get it it's annoying when you switch to ride and then you have to do nothing but defuse bombs for an hour for a couple hours but uh you're playing the same game about shooting people in the head and you get it takes a while to get the gun i guess but that's like it when you break down mechanically <laughs> the way you are subverted it is very different to the like you know like bombastic narrative accoutrements of how uh, much he is fucking with you the the yeah. game is still just the game um, yeah and yes yeah. no that's it true. speaks to a lot of how like people will like really invest in the stories and so do i they're good uh but you know they're, they're not challenging you in the like the things you are doing necessarily all the time or at least the the ones that are held up as that on like you know the games that do do that are not getting that fucking popular like they never are mm-hmm. and never will oh yeah because people don't want that in the end <laughs> yes. or like or the market doesn't want that anyway right like the that, i guess that's the more important thing i'm saying because people want it I, I like to play those games um i enjoy games that mess with mess with you that way in their mechanical sense but yeah like i, I think the market is generally not super fond of those games um so here i, I we're, we're coming up in an hour but i wanted to give you both it, something that i i think it was m said um, that it's, it's always a shame when critics, uh, succeed in some way. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously that's not what you said, but it is, it is a shame when they succeed because then they can't always do the things they love. Um, and I think that's true. So I wanted to give you an opportunity, uh, without any sort of like, you know, institutional context without any sort of expectation. Uh, no money is riding on this. Uh, this is not, you know, I'm, I'm watching Kaiji for, um, uh, no wall scroll right now, which is uh, brilliant. You should totally anyone listening and and both of you, if you haven't, should watch Kaiji. It's uh, I've re- I read the first volume of the manga because it's re- slowly getting released uh, in big omnibuses, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's great. Yeah, it's it's a perfect anime. It's very good <laughs> uh, and a perfect manga too. Uh, I think they're pretty. From what I can tell, I haven't read the manga, but from what I can tell, it's pretty pretty faithful. Um, from what I hear from people, I suppose it's pretty faithful. But in any case, um. Now I, now I feel like I'm going to have to read the manga because of that review. Um, why don't we talk about uh, – each of you talk about like one oh, – let's, let's make it games. One game that you think people should play just because it is a game that you deeply enjoy. It can be something you talked about on Abnormal Mapping or, or not talked about on Abnormal Mapping. Just like something that you feel people should play and it needs no context or no relevance. It's just simply a thing that you feel is important um, or good or fun or whatever. Jackson, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> uh, every time anyone gives me a prompt, I forget everything I've ever done in my life. Um, cool. That's me too. Uh, uh, but it's, it's cool. It's cool running this podcast because I can give people prompts and like and know like, boy, if I asked me that prompt, I'd have no answer. Um, okay. Like I, I, I I'll guess go I, for, I'll go. Okay. Okay. If you want to go, no, go. I, you, you go. I'll take another second. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to. People should play. It, you have to have a 3ds, obviously. Not a thing that everyone has at this point. Exactly. But, uh, there is a game on the eShop by Millennial Kitchen called Attack of the Friday Monsters. We covered it from No Mapping a couple years back. Uh, Millennial Kitchen made a series in Japan called My Summer Vacation. None of them have been fan translated. None of them have been released in English. Uh, that is about like a kid in like 70s Japan just going on on like a vacation uh, with his family to like the wilderness and he just hangs out around the, this house over like the course of a couple days and goes on adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, Attack of the Friday Monsters is like a part of a series that came out in 3DS eShop that were like small, like developers making small sized versions of games that were popular or that, you know, they wanted to make. And Attack of the Friday Monsters is like a four hour game about this kid in a small town in 70s Japan who just loves toku shows that come on the air every Friday afternoon. And it's him, his parents run a laundromat and he's going out with the friends around town playing this like collectible card game and waiting for the kaiju show to come on. And this day, maybe the kaiju show is real and there's going to be actual kaiju in town. Um, And it's like this like slice of life, magical realism, like, you know, wander around adventure game with this very light card mechanic on top of it. It isn't really super relevant to playing the game, Um, but it's incredibly charming and very sweet and like scratches an itch for games that are like narrative exploration games that are not really mechanically tied to anything, um, but also are cozy in that like home 
like what it feels like to have a home and like build a community in the way something like Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon or whatever does, but not in the sense where you have to do a bunch of farming and running around and like doing errands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really special game. It has like a nostalgia that is different than often what we think of with nostalgia in games because it ties so specifically to this one era of this one kid on this one afternoon. Um, it gives you a personality that feels different than like cultural memory nostalgia, uh, something that like Fallout or uh, even Earthbound like is 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 like a broad nostalgia that seemingly a lot of people can invest in. This is very specific, yeah. and it works really well that way. And I think it's a great game. But you have to have a 3DS, obviously. But people should play that game. It's incredible. Good news, I have a 3DS, and I've not heard of that game, so you sold me. Uh, it's excellent. Uh, release uh, Bakuno Nasiyamar. I forgot how to pronounce it. Release my, my summer, summer vacation. vacation. Release them. Release them. Release my summer vacation in the US. <laughs> um, <laughs> needs to happen. Which are the like the series like a you know, series that is similar to that that has never been translated about a kid on a summer vacation. Yeah. Um, Jackson. Yeah. For me, I I think I overthought this in a big way, but I think what I have to say is that uh, one of the biggest things the doing this podcast did for me was like i hadn't played like a game made before the 2000s until pool like 2012 like i had okay. an xbox i had an xbox 360 and I, I guess you know i you know emulated some 64 games uh, in high school um and played smash and you know but that was it that was the extent of my exposure to video games and i liked them a lot but i only had access to what was uh, directly in front of me and it was through doing this that i was able to like go back and just get really into like nest platformers okay um, cool it completely like you know not as a this is what when games were real or whatever i was using save states so it's like you know not killing myself to complete every Mega Man game without dying um but uh <laughs> like good <laughs> but like it gave me a real uh, you know uh, it really made me realize that no you can just go back to old things and they're they're fine i think the one out of all of these like you know i played the marios i played the, the, the Mega Man's, but i would most recommend uh castlevania 3 uh, i'd mm. recommend all three nest castlevanias but um i think castlevania 3 uh, dracula's curse is one of the greatest action games ever made um and it's very difficult uh, but if you are willing to you know use save states when you need to um it is a fantastic time and i i think people should try it because uh it's it's incredible great that's that's a good recommendation too because it's it, it reminds me that most people when they recommend a castlevania game even even when in my mind i'm usually thinking about castlevanias two and three and and sometimes one uh because i'm uh, you know, elderly and infirm. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the one people most most um, uh, recommend, I think, I, I feel, is um, uh, Symphony of the Night, the the PS the PS one game. Um, but yeah. for good reason, it's a great game. But the the I feel like recommending Castlevania three is just like there is something like very new about the way Castlevania three feels from one and two, uh, but also very um foundational to the rest of the series yeah that's a great one that's a that's a really good call it's one of the most impressive looking games ever made like you know fuck ray tracing they make those cogs go round in the the clock tower it's incredible Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh also if anyone has not played this game would like to try it uh you want to play the Japanese version, yes. uh, Akamaju Densetsu. Uh, there, there was a sound chip on the original Famicom release that is not in the NES version, and it mm. gives it like more sound channels. The music's incredible. Oh, so good. If you have the Castlevania Anniversary Collection that came out last year, that version's on there. It, I think they added it later as an update, but it is on there. You can play it that way. It's it's really good. Nice. Okay. Good tip. Well, uh, thank you both for being here. This has been really interesting. I I. I did not talk as much about robots as I thought I would, but I talked much more about media criticism. Um, and and I, I really appreciate your point, uh, your perspectives on this. It's like it's nice to have people in the media criticism uh, sphere who are thinking this critically about it. So I hope I hope everyone, if you're not listening to Greg Gunda Project, um, which I mean, most people probably are. But if not, uh, go do that. Um, I also have to say. Out. 
the the podcast that we do are usually way more positive than this. We're only like <laughs> come off as pretty down because uh, like when you start to get matter about the state of things, it's always a bummer. But usually <laughs> we just talk about the things we like and are valuable to us. People people love listening to to my particular podcast to get real depressed. That's like uh, I, think, <laughs> I think just if they need need a need a quick a quick downbeat, they just they just pop on no cartridge. So don't worry. Um, I, I'm sure people know that you're happier in. in <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I would say, just as, as sort of my parting thought on this, I think, I think your love for the 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 material, your your sort of like appreciation for the material, comes out. I, I feel like this is a cliche, but I feel like there is uh, more love in uh, critique than there is in just like um, you know total fawning. Um, like in fact, like if you are able to recognize the problems with something that you love, you probably love it more than someone who loves it blindly. Um, but perhaps that's just romanticizing. Uh, we, we stay on our podcast. We would punch Yoshiyuki Tomino in the face if we met him. So I'd say thank you for for Gundam. <laughs> he'd be he'd be stoked about it too. He'd be real stoked. He'd be like, finally, uh, <laughs> finally, someone has done this to me. <laughs> An ancient, elderly Japanese man. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh, please come back anytime. And um, yeah, where, where can where where are the websites? I mean, obviously, just Google Great Gundam Project. But where are the websites that people? Just where are the websites? That's the question. Uh, where people can find your uh, your work. Uh, yeah, well, you can uh, find me at twitter.com slash headfulsoff for just a bunch of tweets. Uh, I guess I'll retweet any good work. Uh, but you can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, there is uh, just loads of podcasts there, um, you know, including Abnormal Mapping, the game club that we talked about. But we also we also do other stuff because, you know, we keep ourselves busy. Uh, and um, it's good. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being, uh, where I'm mostly retweeting my friends' good work uh, and shit posting about anime. But uh, if you want to go and check out on mapping, we did two recent episodes I really like. We did an episode on um, on Disco Elysium, yes. which we uh, liked a lot, uh, with some caveats that are not mis- not unaligned with what we've talked about here. Uh, we also did an episode on Kentucky Route Zero, uh, which we had a lot to say about, which I think is a very good episode. Our upcoming episodes on Super Mario RPG, which uh, is going to be a great episode, I'm pretty sure. Um, and if you want to listen to The Great Gundam Project, that is a Patreon-only show, but it only costs a dollar really cheap to get in the door that's patreon.com slash normal mapping it's every week right now we're watching gundam wing we're about halfway in and we also have backup shows we're watching space runaway idion which is uh the show that ano stole from wholesale to make uh evangelion <laughs> it's blatant we thought he stole from gundam but who <laughs> oh goddamn. I like I like these fighting words because you're going to upset a lot of people by that, but I think it's good because Ano needs to be taken down a notch. We mostly like Evangelion now, is the thing. We have reputations as haters, and like we have a podcast about evil. We're really mean to it because there are things we do not like in that show. Uh, but um, we mostly have a have a piece with uh, Ano. I really like the rebuild movies, uh, but I, uh, much like Kojima, as someone you know whose games I mostly like, uh, I I very invested in deflating the mystique around them because I think it is bad and also underserves the work very fair okay cool yeah no that sounds wonderful a, i can't imagine any any better um better better recommendation for people who like this podcast so uh yeah um thank you and uh and thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon cool thank you very much hey thanks for listening to no cartridge if you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.